In this episode, I talk with BJ Durrell, who has a soccer training academy here in Cincinnati, Ohio. BJ shares how his training academy is just one piece of the large player development puzzle. He also shares so many other cool little things. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy it. Hey, this is Karen Coach's Corner Chats, and on today's episode, I've got BJ Durrell. BJ, where are you at, and what are you up to? Uh, well, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm right here in Cincinnati. Uh, do training locally, Cincinnati, Kentucky. Uh, I guess would be Southeast Indiana as well. Uh, right now, just in, enjoying the weather, enjoying the uh, the time that I can get on the pitch with uh, the players, and enjoying time with the family. So, how does uh, are are your trainings like group, individual, teams? What kind of things do you work with? So, uh, kind of all three. Uh, a lot of one-on-one private trainings. Uh, I also do uh, quite a few uh, group trainings, small group trainings during the week. And then depending on uh, time of year, mainly in season, I'll have a couple uh, parents or coaches hire me out to uh, come do a couple sessions for their teams as well. So, um, and I know just from watching your social media and all that type of stuff, you work with some pretty high level kids, kids that want to go to that next level of going from like club and high school to college and what have you. What have, what's one of the things that you've done really well that you think has brought those types of players into your mix? I think for me, the thing, uh, I think the reason most players come to me is because the training that I do is, is very much game related. Um, you know, there's a lot of trainers in the area, really good trainers in the area that will focus on shooting specifically, or, you know, they'll focus on uh, certain aspects or certain techniques of the game. What I like to focus on, and I think this is why a lot of the players come to me, is I like to focus on the mentality and field of vision more than anything. I think that is a soccer trait or soccer skill that's, in my opinion, underdeveloped, honestly, and a lot of athletes these days. Um, you know, and I think that's why a lot of them come to me. The training sessions that I do are, we'll go hard for a minute, we'll take 30-second rest. We'll go hard for a minute, take 30-second rest to try to get that game simulated heart rate going to get that game simulated, um, uh, I guess, feeling of, of, of the game itself in, involved as well. So it's almost like you're giving them an opportunity to add little tweaks that are just going to be that extra little nudge to make that 1%, 2% better. That's going to equal out to better play on the, on the soccer pitch. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the goal. Yes. Um, so before you got to, how long have you been doing, uh, this type of training and what have you, uh, I've been doing it for 12 years. Well, I guess a little over 12 years now. Um, but DFA has really only been around for about 10 and a half years. Yeah. Cause I've noticed you've got like your own Academy and I see the gear and all that stuff is really, really, really cool. Um, the things that you do, do you end up, do you have your own like base area that you get work out at, or do you kind of bounce around from, from field to field and what have you? So it kind of bounces around to be honest with you. Um, there is because, because we have, because I have clients from Southeast Indiana, uh, Kentucky, I've got a couple clients from Lexington that drive in. Um, I got a couple clients who play in Indiana, um, Indianapolis that drive in. So I try to meet people when possible. 
Um, most of my clientele kind of resides in the northern eastern part of Cincinnati. So I can pretty much go to one or two specific spots for them. But if I have if I have some of my players who are driving in from Indianapolis or Lexington, I try to meet them, uh, at least meet them closer to where they they're coming from. Right on. And so before you got into all of this, were you um, like a full time coach and doing the whole like I'm coaching a team and all that type of stuff prior to doing this? So I did coach. I did coach club. Um, not prior. I mean, I've been doing this longer than coaching, um, but I did spend the better part of a decade coaching club in high school. And so what are what so I have done that before? What's the uh, so do you enjoy one more than the other? I really do enjoy the training aspect of it, honestly. I think, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love coaching. I, I love being able to take a team and, and being with them three days a week and then, you know, having games and tournaments on the weekends. I absolutely love coaching. And I only got out of coaching because uh, the, our family was growing with the kids. Uh, but for me, having that ability to have that connection with the players in that one-on-one situation or those small group situations and, I think it allows me to get to know the players a little bit better than I would if I have 17 or 18 on a roster. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, as a coach, you still get to know your players very well, but I think when you're in those individual or small group environments, it, it kind of brings out a little bit deeper relationship. And I think that's one of the things that I really try to try to hone in on because I think that's what allows the players to really trust the trainer or trust the coaches when they have that connection. Um, and, and that's, in, in my opinion, that's when you really start to see the development that can happen uh, between the player and the coach and the player's abilities. So I, I'm assuming there's a lot of communication between you and the players as to, like, how was your last game? What were some things that went well? Um, you know, what knocks or whatever that you might have that you're dealing with? What are your big goals? Like, where do you want to be in the next year and two years from now? So it sounds like you're constantly having that feedback loop uh, with the players. Yes, I do. Um, it, even today, I had a small group session. We had six players this, this afternoon. And two of the players, they asked me if I'd take a look at their game film, uh, whenever they send it to me. I'm always open to looking at game film. I love watching game film. Even uh, even players I don't train, I'll still have parents ask me if I'll watch their game film just to give them feedback. And I, I love doing that stuff. Uh, yeah, you, usually, I'm in my office around 4.15, 4.20 in the morning. And I'm watching game film for an hour, hour and a half, taking notes and you know, really trying to hone in on what it is that we can do in the training sessions to really get them to that next level of play. That is so stinking cool that because a lot of guys, a lot of not just guys and girls, but a lot of trainers you'll see and they'll spew out, this is my program. And these mm -hmm. are our, you know, here's my 20 ball handling. And we do that for everybody. And what I love, what you're kind of saying is like, I'm not going to waste my time doing something that I know you're very good at, but if there's yeah. something we need to work on, let's focus on that. And now again, four four in the morning sounds awful. <laughs> so what? Walk me through what's a typical day for BJ on a like so you're up at four watching okay. film, and then what, how does kind of the day matriculate? So yeah, I'm, so I'm up at four o'clock every single day, and and really it's it kind of happened because once we had our twins, I was getting up anyway. Yeah. So I kind of just got into the schedule. Um, but yeah, so I'm up at four o'clock every morning. I'm in my office downstairs, in my basement around 4.15, 4.25, depending on the morning. But um, so the first thing I do is I check the emails for DFA. 
Um, I, if there's video that one of my players sends me, I'll watch the video. I'll take notes. Um, I'll do screenshots and, you know, I'll do like the whole trainer, draw arrows where they should have gone as opposed to where they went, give them my feedback, let them know what I saw they did well, what I think they can improve on. And then at that point, I'm usually creating the session plans for that day or for that player for a couple of days from now. Um, but that's usually, that's usually every single morning. And then with, uh, with my camp coming up in the summer and trying to get all that stuff ready, there's a lot of phone calls during the day. There's a lot of emails going back and forth with sponsors or with college coaches, um, quite a few calls with college coaches for players. So it's DFA really, I mean, it, it really starts at 4, 15, 4, 20 in the morning and it, it'll go, I mean, it, it'll go to 4, 4, 30 in the afternoon. And, and I do have a day job also, um, which I, which I work from home, which is great because I do that full time from home. So it, and it gives me that flexibility to do all this stuff. Um, but yeah, DFA is definitely a passion for me. And I think that's why I really enjoy doing it so much. And that's why I don't mind getting up at four o'clock in the morning. Is there a part of you that at some point would like to have this DFA thing become big enough that you can bring on other coaches, that it becomes to branch out and then it becomes like, that's your main thing. So we don't have to do this day job and I can focus on my passion. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's always, there's always a dream to have it grow. Um, I'm very cautious about it though, to be honest with you. I mean, been around DFA has been around for 10 years and really in the last three years, has it really kind of meticulated into this, this larger thing. Mm -hmm. And really it's kind of in the last probably year and a half, it's kind of started creating its own self and its own identity. So I'm very, very cautious of, um, of the growth and not growing too fast because it's in the end, it's my name on it. And I, and I want to make sure that it has a good reputation. So right. do I want it to get bigger? Absolutely. Uh, but I'm going to be very cautious about how it gets bigger and, and, and what direction it takes. I think it's a great point. Like you said, like my name is directly on this brand and the stuff that you've already mentioned from watching film to communicating with parents, to talking to college coaches to like, it's beyond just that, you know, our session that I work with the player is mm -hmm. bigger than that. And I think you know as much as I do that if the numbers get too big, it's hard to give that same quality that you're giving now. So I completely, like I get exactly what you're saying is like, maybe the numbers won't get bigger, but if I keep crushing it, the quality is going to be so stinking big that you're just going to keep getting quality players and just that buy-in yeah. that seems like you're getting now. Yeah. And my, and my whole thing with, with the players and, and I'll be honest, I probably turn away two or three players a week, just um, mainly because of schedule. I don't have time. And, and I do have trainers that I trust and trainers that train for DFAs with the camps and everything that that I'll hook them up with the trainers that I trust uh, in the area. And they love all those trainers, too. They do a really good job. For me, it's about one, the time, because I, I have to have my family time. That, that's the most important thing to me. But two, it's for me, the players that I train there's a certain mentality that I look for, honestly, I don't care how talented you are, but I want to make sure that you have that mentality that, of, of really wanting to develop and really wanting to be there and really wanting to be in a training session. I can't tell you how many emails I get from parents who say, well, my, my son is great. They're, they're this and this and this. So when I talk to their player, it's, yeah, this sounds good. Yeah, we can do that. That's, if, if that's what you want to do, we'll do it. 
what I'm looking for in a player is, yeah, let's do this. This is what I want to work on. Here's how I want to improve. This is, this is where I want to be at next year. And this is what I think that we can do to get better. Cause when I do my training sessions, you know, I, I want to have complete buy-in from the player and the parent. A lot of the players that I train or emails that I get, I have a phone call with the parent and the player. I want to make sure that they're ready for the type of training that I'm going to give. And I make sure that they are completely bought into the training piece of this. And it's not going to be one of those things where, I mean, you know, you're a coach, you go out and you get that win and it's a victory. Great. Well, this is a process and I need them to understand that this is going to be a process. And if they don't have that mentality, I usually, I usually find another trainer that I think they'd be better off with. The one thing that I'm, I'm hearing too, is you talked about earlier about like that mentality thing is something you see kind of missing from a lot of soccer players. Um, and it seems from your experience, you're able to just from conversations, you can just feel the vibe, like it's maybe a gut feeling or something that, and I love the fact that you said when players come to me and say, here's what I need to work on. Here's what I want to do. Those are the ones you're like, okay, you're hungry. And mm -hmm. those are the type of players I want to work with. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's really it. And, and I think that's why I get so excited to watch their film and watch their games is because they have that buy-in and that desire to truly get better. So what I do is I watch that game film to see if they're implementing what we work on. And a lot of times it's in there and, and I'm excited to see that. And then from there, it's just tweaking little things, uh, you know, whether it's the way they're touching the ball or whether they're, they're leaning into the ball whenever they make that first touch or directional chest trapping to get away from the defender, you know? So when I watch those game films from the players that send me this stuff, that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for but I'm also looking for the positioning, the runs they're making. Are they delaying their run? Are they running far post and then cutting inside to meet the ball instead of waiting for the ball far post? You know, so those are the things that I work on. And then what I do is I, I send my notes to the players. And a lot of times I challenge them. I said, okay, I want you to watch your next game film before I watch it, but I want you to watch it from a training standpoint. Tell me what you could do better and tell me what runs you think you could do better, what space you can do as opposed to just saying, oh, that was a great highlight. I can't wait to add that to my video. Because <laughs> that's what most players do. They look yeah, for their highlights. Yeah. Well, tell me what you can do when you don't have the ball. That's what I want to know. And that's that's the mentality I try to get them to get into. I absolutely love the fact that you're pushing so much ownership. Like, I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to push you, but I'm going to put ownership on you. Like, it's not just going to be me sitting there. And like you said, just saying congratulations on, you know, making a great play in there but what could you have done, you know, afterward or before, or after you made that great pass, what were you doing yeah. then to support the player with the ball um, type of thing? What, what kind of got you into the, into the realm of coaching soccer in the first place? Was this like a passion you had growing up? Did you play and just fall in love with the game? Where did this all kind of spur from? So when I, I grew up in Louisiana um, until I turned 11, and in Louisiana, it was football and baseball, and that was it. Mm -hmm. So when I played soccer, and, and when I say I played high-level soccer in Louisiana, it was your neighborhood team playing against another neighborhood. Okay. I mean, that, that was high-level soccer back then. Um, I had no idea what club soccer was. I had no idea what um, – I didn't know what competitive soccer was until we moved up here in Cincinnati when I was 11. And I was so far behind the ball at that point that I had to go through rec for about a year, year and a half until I could start to kind of feel what it was like. Uh, once I hit the competitive side of soccer, I, I fell in love with it. It was every day for me. Um, 
you know, I, and this is another thing I tell my players, you know, those players who are in high school, those players who are able to drive to club practices. I said, coaches notice things like coaches look for stuff. You know, whenever I was coaching, even in the high school, if I showed up 30 minutes early and I saw two players already out there playing or kicking around, working on things, those are two players that I'm looking at. Those are two players that I'm going to notice in the next practice. So for me growing up, it was always, okay, I played, so I played the nine or striker in high school. And I remember my freshman year, my high school coach, he flat out said, he said, you have a great personality. Everyone loves you, but your shooting is terrible. <laughs> I don't, he, he's like, I don't know how you play the number nine, but you're fast and I like it, but your shooting has to get better. And that was, that was preseason my freshman year. And I kid you not, every practice for the next four years, I was there an hour early and I stayed an hour later, worked on finishing, worked on my movement because I knew that clearly I had to work on something. And that was one thing that I took upon myself to work on. And, and it, it paid off dividends for me because my coaches saw that. And, you know, my high school coaches, I still keep in touch with them today. And that's over 20 years ago. They had such a massive influence, not on my game, but on me as a person. Mm -hmm. And they're really what, that experience is really what kind of catapulted me into the coaching realm. You know, I, I played, I went to college, played in college. Um, I was lucky enough to get scouted at a tournament and got to go play overseas against like Spain and Germany when I was in high school. But for me, the catalyst was those two coaches that I had in high school that took it upon themselves to get to know me as the individual and the player, not just the player who could produce numbers. And that's really kind of how I do DFA is, I mean, I, I know the players, I know their parents. Um, I get text messages from their parents, from the players also. Um, I do calls with the players and the parents, you know, once every two weeks or once a week just to catch up. And the calls might not even be about soccer. It's how school going? Um, you know, how are you doing with this? If there's something that's going on in their life. And to me, everything that I do and everything that DFA is, it's about coaching the person through the game of soccer. I can coach soccer anybody, but you know, you have that coaching relationship where you can really make an impact on a person. And that's what I try to do with everything with DFA. The cool thing is all of the things that you've shared with your conversations with parents, players, and that honesty, that coach, instead of just saying, look, you're a freshman and you've got potential and blah, blah, blah. Like he was straight up honest with you. He's like, look, you're really good at this, this, and this, your, your movement, you can get into dangerous places, but you are a God awful at finishing. <laughs> yep. and I, I think the fact that he said, that's kind of like what you do with your players. You're like, look, here's what we just worked on these three things. I'm going to watch your film and afterward, am I going to see that you actually are applying what we've been working on? Cause those are the things that you need to get better at. And I love the fact that that in that impact all the way back to all your freshman of high school. Um, and I love the fact too, that you're still in contact with them. So what kind, what kind of conversations do you still have with them? Or is it more of a just checking in to see how they're doing? So a little bit of both, honestly. Um, you know, one of my coaches still lives here locally. Uh, they live just a few miles away from where my wife and I live. My other coach uh, lives in Arizona now. And I'll get text messages occasionally say, hey, how you doing? How's DFA? How are the kids? Um, or I just called both of them two weeks ago just to catch up, let them know how I was doing, ask how they were doing, let them know how the kids are doing and let them know how DFA is doing and all this other stuff. You know, because they, 
they see the post on social media. They they like all, not all. They don't like all the all the <laughs> training sessions. Um, but they'll still like they'll still shoot me some uh, some comments say, hey, that was great. Have you thought about doing it this way? You know, so they're still coaching me even yeah. to this day. But the way they're doing it now, it's it's helping me become an even better person than what they did twenty years ago. And that's that's truly my goal for the players that I have is. I want to be that coach that they're going to reach out to in 10 or 15 years and say, Hey, you know, I know we don't talk all the time, but I want to let you know that you had a good impact on me. And this is what is going on in my life. I hope you're doing well. And that's really, the, that's really what I'm trying to accomplish with DFA and the players that I have. It sounds so awesome. I love the fact that that kind of like idea was planned, that seed was planted mm-hmm. at that time, that comment, which like you, as you know, some kids would have taken that. I mean, like, well, uh, he doesn't think I'm a good soccer player, so I'm yeah. done. You, on the other hand, said, all right, I know I need to get better at and clearly got after it. Um, the other thing that I love that you keep bringing up is that you talk with the parents. And that is yeah. clearly something in soccer from coaching to being a director of coaching to a high school coach, to anybody that deals with soccer in some type of leadership role. What what was your, you know, why connect with the parents and what was it like when you first started doing that um and what were some of the things that you love from doing that experience so it really started um it really started when i started coaching club soccer um when i was coaching high school there's almost like the separation that the school wants you to have at least the school that i was at they, they almost wanted you to have the separation from the personal lives of the players, uh, where it's, you know, we hired you to do a job, come and do this job. Uh, we'll take care of the kids because we teach the kids. We see them every day. And that was the vibe I got from the school. Not all schools are like that. I know some coaches, some high school coaches have really great connections with their kids and their families. But when I got into club soccer, and I, I almost felt bad for it because I was taking a young team. They were seventh graders at the time. And I still keep in contact with these families and these players, even to this day, and they're graduating high school now. And I knew that I was a tough coach because I had already been training for a few years. So what I did is my very first day at tryouts, and I was nervous about it, and the club I was with was nervous about it also. But I gathered all the kids together in that age group, and these are, this was you or 2004 late women girls uh four years ago five years ago now and i laid it all on the line it was the parents there and the players i said here's my expectations you either meet it or exceed it and your expectations for yourself better be higher than mine if there's any doubts feel free to walk away no hard feelings thank you for coming (laughs) but that was that was the first day that was before tryouts and I had, I had a piece of paper with um, all my expectations. It was, you show up 15 minutes early, you're stretched up and warmed up, and you're ready to go as soon as minute zero hits. If you're late, then, you know, you're going to lose game playing time for the next game. There were expectations as far as what your curfew was going to be at a tournament. Like, as much fun as I had, and we made sure all the, good, all the kids had fun, but you're not going to be up at 11 o'clock at night when we have a game at 8 o'clock in the morning. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And there was, I mean, there was, I went as far as having like certain restaurants. I had one, one parent on the team pick three or four restaurants that we could go to as a team. 
because I didn't want kids going to McDonald's and having two shakes and chicken nuggets yeah. two hours before a game. You know, you guys are paying for a high level team for a high level coach. I'm going to give you a high level coach. And that's what the expectations are. Like I said, you guys are free to walk away or go to another team or a lower level team. It won't hurt my feelings. I promise you. But I made, I made my expectations very clear from the very beginning. And I, I must have got emails from almost every single parent. Thank you so much for telling <laughs> us that this is what this is going to be, because this is what we're looking for. You know, and, and that's really what kind of opened up the, the pathway to have that communication, those relationships with those parents. Um, I had a call with one of those 04 parents uh, two weeks ago, and it was literally just they wanted me to know what was going on with their kid. You know, and, it, and that's and that's the kind of stuff I love about being a coach and being a trainer is that so few jobs give you the opportunity to have such an impact on so many people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you see this day in and day out being a coach. Yeah. You know, we have, I don't want to say responsibility. We have, we have a gift to touch lives of so many players. And it boggles my mind when coaches don't take advantage of that. One of the things that I keep getting the vibe from you is you are you're not only passionate and motivated, but you're super dedicated and really like straightforward about where where did this like raw passion and stuff come from? Is it just something that you naturally got? Was it like, you know, as you were brought up, like parents impact or was it just like impact, things like that, your coaches in high school and what have you? Because everything that you, you're just, a, you seem like a very straight shooter, like whatever BJ says, that's what you're going to get. Here's my level. I'm not even going to fuzz it. I'm completely transparent. Um, and if you're not good enough at something, I'm going to let you know um, and what have you. And it's in the world that we live in now, it's so refreshing. Like for me, I'm like, yes, this is what I'm talking about. Like, this is the kind of stuff I love to hear versus like, oh, it's all right. You get like, you know what I mean? All the wishy-washy stuff. Um, what, where do you think this has come from? Is it just like you're not, have you always been this kind of like, oh, if you say I can't do it, I'm going to show you that I can't. So yeah, I've always had that mentality. Absolutely. Even from a young kid. Uh, but I will say my parents, uh, and they're, and they're, they're both heroes of mine. Both my parents are, uh, my mom is a self-made woman. She, she's extremely passionate. She's very, uh, she's very straightforward. She doesn't fuzz anything. <laughs> she's not, she's not mean about it. Like she's very nice about it, but she said, no, here's what it is. And this is what it's going to be. My dad is the, he's the one that always brought the, um, I guess the emotional support type stuff. He was always there for me. He was, you know, he was, he was, he was more of the, um, the emotional one where my mom was always a straight shooter. Here's what it is. Here's your expectations. Don't ever lower your expectations for other people. So I got the best of both worlds. Um, on top of the mentality of, okay, you say I'm not good enough, but give me six months. And then I want you to tell me what you think. And, and I've been like that my entire life. If, if I do something, I'm going to do it 120%. No questions asked, no excuses. Um, I used to get, I used to get in arguments with teammates of mine in high school and in college um, and in club soccer, because when I showed up to train or to practice, it was okay, let's practice. We can have fun and talk later. 
but right now I'm going at you 120%, either gal the way or, or go at me as well. <laughs> and, and I'm not kidding. I used to, I used to frustrate my teammates so much because I didn't want slow days. I didn't want off days. I didn't, I didn't want to have these, well, we played a game on Sunday, so let's not work too hard today. Like, no, no, that, that's not the way this is going to work. Like, you can go soft. I'm going to run right through you. <laughs> you can go soft all you want. I'm not going to go soft. So I've always had that mentality. And I think that really translates by training sessions. Um, you know, I, even today with one of, one of the college guys that I have, I was like, okay, listen, so he trains four days a week. So tomorrow is our fourth day for this week. Today was a little bit lighter. It was still game pace, a little bit lighter. And I told him today, as we were leaving the session, I was like, okay, so tomorrow, here's what we're going to work on. We've already hit these other three points this week. We're hitting the final point tomorrow on Thursday. We're going to go one minute on, 30 seconds rest, one minute on, 30 seconds rest, one minute on, 30 seconds rest, one minute on. I'll give you one minute rest one minute on 30 second rest, one minute on. And that's how the training session is going to be. He said, okay, sounds good. I'll be there. And for me laying out what the expectations are from the very beginning uh, with these parents and players with these phone calls, it makes things so much easier because they know what's going to happen at the training sessions. They know what we're going to work on. You know, they send me their game film. I say, this is what I saw. This is what I think we can do. Here's how we're going to approach this. And I get that buy-in immediately. And if I don't get that buy-in, like I said, it's, I, ha I know some really great trainers who I think could be a really good fit for. Let me give you their contact information. Right. And, I, and, I've, and I have no issues doing that. I, I, I really don't. Because, again, at the same time, the players have to like it. But I, I want to enjoy it also. And if I don't enjoy it, they're going to know about it. I'm going to know about it. And I want them to enjoy it, too. And if their mentality is not there, they're not going to enjoy it. Do you, what's the relationship between you and like high school coaches or some of these academy players you're working with or that college uh, player? How, how have you been received in terms of working with them like outside of their own training sessions that they're doing with their teams? So great question. Some coaches, high school coaches and club coaches, um, there, there's kind of mixed reviews to be honest with you um there's there's certain high school coaches who are a little apprehensive about their players coming to me for training uh because they they've heard how hard the training sessions are they know that we go game pace um they know that i'm very honest with players um they also know that i give homework to my players too my players get homework every single week um <laughs> And a lot of, a lot of coaches, not a lot, some coaches um, are a little apprehensive about their players coming to my sessions and then going to their training sessions, which I completely understand and I get. So I, what I do is I do reach out to a lot of the coaches uh, that are coaching these players. And I talk to them, ask them what the coaches are seeing in their games, ask if they have certain things that they would like the players to work on also. So I try to build that camaraderie as well with the college coaches, uh, I've all, I've only had good conversations with college coaches about their players. Um, so much so that a lot of the colleges are following the social media, the Instagrams. Um, a lot of the coaches are, are like following the Facebook pages. Um, you know, and, and I've had, I've had a lot of college coaches reach back out and say, Hey, 
you know, you're training so-and-so on my team. Do you have anybody else that's younger that we might be interested in taking a look at in the next couple of years? Hmm. So, and, and to me, that's fantastic because it, it almost, it almost solidifies the training that I'm providing with some of these players, you know, over the last, over the last three months, now that the elite camp for the summer is really kind of getting into it, everything I I've probably reached out. I've probably getting called or emailed by 20 something coaches asking if I have a player that would fit the certain criteria they're looking for. If I do, then I'll let them know. And I'll tell them what I think about it. If I don't, then I'll be honest with them and say, I don't, but here's someone who might. Um, and I, and I think that transparency and that honesty is really what, what has helped me out with, uh, with these coaches. Yeah, I was, that's what I've been th- hearing the whole way through is just your ability just to reach out and communicate has made connections that, you know, you're not just so many just post like a video and you never know who this person is, but mm-hmm. now clearly you're, and then I think the cool thing is I'm assuming by word of mouth is what's happening is why you're getting more and more interest is that when you work with this club player and they go back and people are like, man, what the heck? And they're like, yeah, I'm, I got a guy that doesn't let me go soft <laughs> Yeah. That earlier I'm going after and like, dude, this, you're, you're making progress or like the college coach recognizes like that. And like you said, that's a huge thumbs up to you that whatever you're putting into place uh, is helping. And I think it all goes back to like, I reach out to players. I reach out to the parents. I reach out to coaches. I'm like, if there's a high school, I reach out to them. Like I'm not trying to, I'm trying to help the player and try to help your program. And if I can be a help of that, I'm part of that, then that's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. And I, and honestly, I think that, I think that's a mentality that a lot of coaches and program directors miss is that, and and a lot of trainers miss as well, is that they think that, you know, what they're providing is enough. And a lot of times it is, a lot of times it's not either though, you know, being a coach of a program that had 18 kids. I mean, I had a team that had 21 kids on it at one point and you cannot, I mean, you, you, you physically don't have time to provide that individual training or that individual attention to those players. And it's not your job as a team coach, your job as a team or a program coach is to provide training for the entire team. That's what the goal is. You know, I think where a lot of, I think where a lot of the, the, the bigger issues come is that you have a coach or you have a trainer in the area or you have a, a director of some sort think that what they're providing is the best and that players don't need to go elsewhere. I know I'm not the best trainer in the area. I think I'm good at what I do, mm-hmm. but I know I'm not the best. And I think it's foolish for someone to say that they're the best. You know, there's, there's other trainers than, that are local that, you know, that I hear from my players that they're really good at one particular aspect. Well, that's not something that I focus on. So yeah, go see them, get training in that aspect, make your game better. And I think where the biggest issue is, is that people will just assume that, well, just come to me, I'll take care of everything. Mm -hmm. But it's not really the way it is. You know, I have a lot of players who come to me and then I'll say, hey, maybe you should go look at them for something else. Or, you know, you're you're wanting, you're, you're, you're growing a lot, you're hitting this growth spurt. Maybe you should think about or go look into getting personal training for weightlifting to to, to know how to use your, to, to move better now that you're hitting this three or four inch growth spurt, you know, go talk to them, see what they can do, see if it's something that you want to do. Um, 
you know, the, the way I look at it is people come to me for a, a good, genuine service that's honest. And I think I'm doing them a disservice if I don't think that they could get another piece of their training someplace else to get it better. Because in the end, it's about the player. It's not about me. Like, I, I, if, I, if I went down to five players a week, I'd be fine if it's five players that really want to be there. Right on. You know, I, I really don't mind if, if my players go and transition to another trainer if they've gotten everything they can from me. Because what that tells me is that I've done as much as I can. Now go on to the next step. And then if you want to come back in the future, please come back. And I, and I think that's where a lot of the issues lie is that a lot of these programs and trainers think that they're the end all be all where reality is it's, you're just, you're just a piece of the puzzle. There's, there's a lot of pieces here. You're just a piece of the puzzle. Don't be selfish and don't think, and don't be naive to think that you can put the entire puzzle together because it's not possible. I love that you just put all that together because I, I think it clearly points out because I think there is a clear like I'm a soccer I'm the coach of a team and then here's the trainers and it's like there's no cohesion or connection and I think there should be because the issue I think we run into as well at least for me is I see with my players I'm like hey when you're not here with me in this setting you have to be kind of like you talked about showing up an hour early and working on shooting or working on that but I know for sure if I ask a player hey if I ask you to go to the turf and play for an hour and a half what things would you do? Most of them are looking at me like, I don't know. So that's where the trend, that's where you come into play. It's like, look, I'll take all that thinking out of, I'll we'll identify what you need to work on and then we'll do it. Um, Cause I think we sit there and go, well, look, I need you guys to be playing when you're not around here. Well, they don't know, does that mean juggle or what, when I just supposed to play the ball? Yeah. Like, what do I do to get better? Especially like, I'm not a good shooter. So, you know, is it a technique? Is it, you know, what can I do? And you can YouTube things and whatever, but still it doesn't, it's not the same as having someone there. And I love the idea of, that there's multiple pieces to the puzzle of a player's development. Um, and so that just, I, I just love the whole idea of like, I'm not here. And I, the other thing, and then I'll let you go or talk, fill in is you have this kind of self-awareness. Like you even said like, yeah, that trainer's really good at that. That's not really something I'm 100% rock, rocking with. I do these things really well. So if that's who you need to go to, then go to. I think that's spot on because even as coaches, like some coaches are defensive coaches in terms mm -hmm. of tactics, more attacking, whatever. Um, so I just love the way you explained it. It just made like complete sense to me. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> well I'm glad. Um, you, you, you never know if what I'm saying is going to be, you know, take it well. Um, but yeah, and honestly, I think with like with, with the club realm and the high school, because I know when I was coaching high school, you have budget issues, right? You can't, mm -hmm. you can't get the staff that you always want to have because there's budget issues. And, you know, with, with club soccer, there's a ton of moving parts in clubs. You know, I've, I've been with a club from the ground up and I've been with an established club for, your, for a while. So I've kind of seen both. And and I genuinely think one thing missing from every club, every organization across the board is everyone has these the IDPs, the individual development plans for players, but there's no implementation. And someone who's been around coaching for a while and has done the personal training for, you know, over a decade, 
if there was a club, if there was an organization that could have a technical or training director over the IDPs and have a staff of three or four. So you have a team training twice a week. And then the third day of the week, you have small group training. You have individual training or two, two, two on one training to really work on the technical piece of that game. I think in my opinion, you would have an explosion of talent and development within that club. But the way that it's worked out is here's your IDP, go home and work on it. Right. And, and I think a lot of the apps are great. I, I love a lot of the apps that are out now. You have the Techni app, you have the Beast Mode app. That's all fantastic stuff. But to have someone who's there physically with you one day a week, you know, to can go over what's good, what's bad, what you need to improve on, on a individual or a, a small group level, I think to me, then you would literally see development in the city of Cincinnati and the area explode. Because I really think that organizations are missing that piece. I think it's cool. The idea that like you talked about different pieces of the puzzle for development. And I love the idea, like if we could merge that into one kind mm -hmm. of entity would be huge. The other thing that you've brought up is it's your training. It's more than just the soccer side. There's the, you know, the communication with the parents and the constantly checking film and all that type of stuff, which I think is another thing if you were to be able to like merge something like DFA into some type of club setting, then mm -hmm. you're, they're constantly getting feedback from you on those types of things as well, that maybe they can't get from their director of coaching or their actual club coach. You're bringing that another dynamic and thing into it, which I think like people look at the training and like the apps, like you said, I think are cool, but like you said, you're missing the constant feedback right then of, yeah, it's great that you got 45 juggles, but whatever, you use the same foot for 38 of them. Let's try to work yeah. on your left foot or you know, your weaker foot or whatever, like those little things um, that you get to see and the expectations of, well, that was like, I'm sure if you saw a kid do 80, you're like, dude, I was expecting a hundred. So yeah. the bar keeps getting raised up. Yeah. Um, type of thing. And I think you get that from those. And I can tell you're kind of a relationship person who's constantly mm -hmm. kind of just, I just love to talk, communicate and figure out where people are feeling and all that type of stuff. The other thing you brought up, um, twins. So how old are the twins? <laughs> so they're just over two years old. And so how has that, how does becoming a parent, how has that changed maybe a little bit of how you deal with training and, and what have you? It's a great question. Um, and just to add on to the story, when my wife and I became parents, we had our twins and we also adopted two within like three months of each other. So there's so, four. Yeah, so we have two older girls, two sisters that we adopted. Oh, wow. And so we're, we're foster parents. And so we, the girls came up for adoption. We had known them for a few years. Um, you know, we were asked if we consider being the adoptive parents and we, we were so in love with the girls already. It was the absolute yes. And then two weeks later, we found out that we were pregnant with twins. Oh, wow. So the adoption process and the birth of our twins literally happened within just a couple months of each other. So it was going from four, zero to just the two of us, to six of us, it definitely changed a dynamic in the training. Um, 
I, I'm definitely a lot more um, honed in on to how kids are feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I tend to notice things a little bit more like the, uh, the body movements or, you know, the emotions on the face and that kind of stuff. So I can, I can, I can talk to them a little bit more on a deeper level than I was able to before just because I can notice those things a lot easier now. Um, you know, so I think it's definitely helped from the personal side of the training sessions. It definitely hasn't made my training easier, <laughs> but it's definitely helped me with understanding and, and seeing that uh, those connection pieces with those players that I wasn't seeing necessarily before, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I really love the, yeah, just the, the, the body language, the posture, just the, mm-hmm. like the pouty face or just a quick kind of like non-verbal kind of cue that back that I'm kind of not in the mood for whatever has have they have they broken the kind of competitive like hardcore thing do they melt your heart and kind of make you kind of a cuddly bear kind of person to them they do yes (laughs) um and and to my players they do I don't like to admit it but they do uh one of the ongoing jokes that I have with a lot of my players is um, I love you, but I'll never admit it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's one of those things where a lot of these kids and families have great relationships with, um, you know, I get, I get invited to Christmas parties. I get invited. My family does. We get invited to Christmas parties, birthday parties, uh, graduation ceremonies, you know, obviously COVID has stopped all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's one of those things where like, I'll just send a text to a, to a player of mine who may have posted something on social media that kind of gets you thinking a little bit like something's going on there. So I'll just send a text to him and say, Hey, just want to let you know that I think you're awesome. Right. And it's, it's that kind of stuff. Having the kids has kind of brought that out of me a little bit more is just being more cognizant of, you know, what I'm seeing my players go through. I mean, COVID has had an effect across the board on people in a whole lot of ways. So, you know, if I see somebody, if I see one of my players posting on social media that kind of, you know, raises my eyebrow a little bit, I'll just shoot them a text, say, hey, everything okay? Just want to let you know that you're awesome and I can't wait to see you in three days of training. So having the kids has definitely kind of made me more cognizant, more aware of that kind of stuff. Um, and, And I love getting the text messages back thank you. You don't know how much that means to me. I really appreciate it. You know, and, and that's it. That, that's all it was. It was 20 seconds. Right. But just that one little thing, that one little text or that one little message could change some kids day, week, it maybe just changes them for an hour, but it's, it's something right. Yeah. And, and I think it goes back to the coaching piece and you being a coach me being a coach, you know, having those, having that ability and that gift to have such an impact on kids, you know, you look at, you look at social media these days, there's not a whole lot of positive role models in social media, right? You know, so why can't coaches fill that gap and be that positive role model? And to me, that's, that's what coaching is all about. I don't, I don't care if I teach a kid to become a great striker or, or a great defender. What I care about is helping that kid get through something and become a better, better person 10 years down the road. Because to me, that's what it's all about. 
Right on. I think it's so cool. Like the self-awareness piece for you, like the kind of recognize that your little ones have caused you to kind of take a moment of reading their, how they're doing. And then I'm sure in those moments, like, okay, I got to do something to kind of cheer them up or like maybe I need to get them a snack or whatever it is. Um, And that's, you know, at a similar scale, when you're dealing with older ones, you can't just get them a, whatever, a, a snack real quick, but similar things of just some positive kind of feedback and encouragement. The other thing with the parent side, which I wanted to know is you kind of talked about, I know when a kid's not locked in and I'm like, eh, I don't think you're going to fit with how I do. Is there something you see in the parents as well? Is there like, do you see us or maybe you, for this type of player that you have, do they have a certain type of parent? Does that make any sense? Are they? Uh, so, I can't say there's a certain type of parent. <laughs> what, I, what, I will, what I will say this is the players that I train, the parents that they have, let them make the decisions. So it's the, the parents that of the kids that I train aren't saying you have to go to training session this week. You have to do this and this and this. The parents of the players that I train are very much, okay, you know what you want to achieve. I'm here to help you get there. What can I do? If you think you've gone too much this week, that's fine. We'll take a day off. If you want to go again extra this week, you can. So a lot of the parents that I have let their kids drive the car on this, on this training piece. I don't have any parents that are saying, hey, you have to be here at this time because I'm paying for it. I don't have any parents like that. And I think that goes to show that, you know, a lot of those parents who are, you know, those helicopter type parents, you know, they, a lot of them push their kids to a point where the kids don't want to advance anymore. And I've had, I've had players like that on my teams before where their parents are driving them literally into the ground. You have to do this. You've got to get, you know, 3000 touches a day, you know, all this and that. And, you know, what I like about, the majority of the players that I train is that they do that stuff on their own without their parents making them do that because they genuinely enjoy the game of soccer. They genuinely enjoy the act of getting better. And that's one of the things that I, like I said, I really look for in a player, but for the most part, the, the parents that I have, it's, they let their kids drive their own development. And I, and I think part of that is because they have those kids who want to drive that development also. But um, I, I don't think I have, any parents that I would say are helicopter or they push too hard. Um, what I will say with the parents that I have that they reach out to me, they'll text me, they'll call me. Um, I have, I've had parents call me and say, Hey, so-and-so is having a rough time with this particular piece of their team, whether it's a coach, a player, teammate, or whether it's just school and say, you know, they really look up to you. Would you mind just reaching out to them? You know, and, and that's why I like having those relationships with those parents, because if I didn't have that relationship with that parent, I wouldn't know that stuff about the players. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why it's so important for me to have them as a player, but have them as a person and have their family also. I think the cool thing, too, is, as I know from experience, is sometimes getting the some input from someone who's not directly in, in the mix you can get more of an honest kind of like, so you're not there for the team chemistry or whatever's going on with the coach or whatever. So when you hear of it, you can give your input of like, look, I'm not there, but here's my take. And yeah. so that's kind of a fresh thing. I think that's awesome that the parents have you to lean on 
and uh, the players as well. And I love the fact that almost the players that you want to work with are those high, like I'm locked in, I'm here for me. I want to get better kind of players is what it seems sounds like. So those parents, like they don't have a choice. Like I'm going to go to training. I'm going to do my thing. Um, I'm going to work with BJ and all that type of stuff. um, And what have you. Uh, BJ, this, this has been so stinking cool. I love the, the foster, how old are, so that you have the two-year-old twins. How old are the, the two that you are foster uh, caring? 11 and nine. So they came to us a couple years ago, but they are 11 and nine right now. Um, they don't do soccer. I was going to say, what's, uh, is there anything where BJ is going to be coaching them at some point? Not, not them. The, the two older ones are very, very good at gymnastics. Uh, they're very competitive as well. Um, you know, I, I want to make sure that they do what they want to do. So they do gymnastics, they do dance, they do cheerleading. Um, you know, I, I, and, you know, we go to their games, we go, I, I, I'm, I'm the cheer dad, you know, I have the cheer dad t-shirts. <laughs> on, like, I'm not afraid to wear it out in public. Uh, you know, so I, we really just try to encourage them just to follow what their passions are right now. Um, the two younger, the, the twins, they, uh, and, and I don't know if it's just because they see me always with the ball at my feet. I mean, I, I'm always juggling something, yeah. whether it's a cup on the ground or whether it's a, you know, a teddy bear that I, that's on the ground, I'll, I'll juggle it. But uh, so the twins are, you know, they know how to say soccer ball. They, there's, they, we have, we have a lot of soccer balls in the house. So <laughs> they'll, there's usually one around. So they'll, they'll kick it. And, you know, our, our little boy, Gavin, he'll run and kick and he'll go, yay, Aww. you know, and uh, Grace does the same thing. So it's, it, it's a lot of fun having all the kids around and, you know, the, the older girls absolutely love the twins and the twins love the older girls. So it's, it's been really, really great. That's awesome. It seems, um, it's so cool to kind of hear the different, cause you even talked about earlier, which I thought was a great point of everything is a piece of the player's development. And then hearing the story of like the foster and then getting the, having twins and then being born so close to when you got them all into the house, which I can't even imagine going from like, (laughs) it's just you and me, babe. And it's nice and quiet. And all of a sudden we got four and they're not the same age. So we got two little, little ones. And then Mm -hmm. the other ones, which are a few years older. Um, That's so cool. And I love the fact um, that you said, even about the gymnastics, about the girls and the dancing and stuff that they're competitive, like they're, they're into it as well. So I think that yeah. I, I can just, I'm trying to picture what you look like on the, on the side watching this. Are you very intense or are you kind of like, okay, this is, I don't know anything about so, this. I'm a chill. <laughs> okay. So I do have a pretty good story. So my wife, my wife's a superhero, by the way, she's phenomenal. She, uh, she's a stay at home and she handles, I mean, she runs the household. So all kudos to the kids go to her. Um, but my wife was a competitive gymnast. I mean, she, she was the seven days a week, four to five hours a day gymnast, you know, so she was really training at a very, very high level. So we're both very competitive. And even in our card games, you know, we'll play rummy and it's, Oh, I'm beating you by 230. And then, you know, I'll lose. And she like, well, I came back and destroyed you, you know? (laughs) So the, the kids see that, you know, the fun conversations and like the joking we have, and it definitely transitions and translates to them because they, they kind of carry that into their gymnastics and they carry that into their dance. And 
you know, when, when Mariah is doing her gymnastics, it's okay, well, I need to work on this, this, and this. I can, I have it within two weeks. I promise you I'll have it within two weeks. And sure enough, she's backflipping in two weeks, you know, and then Aubrey, who's the, the performer, right? So she loves to dance. She loves to, to kind of be in front of everybody. She's, uh, she's hitting her poses. She's hitting her strikes. She's got the faces doing crazy things, you know? Um, but they definitely see the mentality that my wife and I have. And, you know, and the way that we tell the kids is, you know, with Mariah and Aubrey, like we want you guys to have, the most important thing is having fun. If you're not having fun, then let's not do this. But if you are having fun, give it 110% every single time. And, and, and that's kind of the mentality that we've always had, you know, as long as we've been together, my wife and I. And uh, so it definitely transitions and translates to the kids. And it's a lot of fun to watch. The thing that I have loved about everything that you have shared from your own training to like your experience in high school to parenting, like everything is, you can just see it on your face. Like it just bubbles through. It's like, it's, you love it all. You're passionate about it. Um, I think it's awesome to think that your wife, which, you know, we, I have three kids um, as well. And the wife piece of things, they don't get enough credit. Like you said, like kudos yeah. to both of them. Um, and to stay at home and stuff, that's just such an awesome opportunity and what have you. So I, I just, everything has been so stinking cool. And it, the one thing that's really cool too, is it's, it, it's consistent across the board. It's not like, well, you're going to get BJ the trainer and then BJ like, it seems like you're, you're all in, you're constantly like evaluating situations with, if it's a player, a parent, a college coach, um, oh, it's my own kid. I'm constantly looking for what things are going well and what can I do to help and, and support and what have you. BJ, this has been so stinking cool. And I know you're all over social. So I'm going <laughs> to ask like, what are some, some ways that people can connect with you and find, you've mentioned your summer camp that's coming up and like, how can people find out about that, connect with you um, and all those great things? So, I mean, I, I, I'm on Instagram, you know, Zero Football Academy is on Instagram and Zero Football Academy is on Facebook as well um there's a twitter handle as well um you know i mean they can go to my website which is just derailfootball.com there's information on there there's i have all the other trainers that train for dfa are on there also so people can kind of get to know who everybody is uh and honestly i mean my phone number and email are available on all those things i don't i i'll take calls to anybody i really don't mind uh, and honestly, I prefer to take a phone call than an email because I think that there's a lot more that could be accomplished that way. Um, I, I know that's weird for younger kids to hear, but, you know, I like phone, <laughs> I like phone calls still. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, the standard social media is I'm there. Um, as far as the camps go, you know, there, there's a lot of things kind of in the, in the fire right now for the future of DFA, the camps, you know, now that, uh, now that DFA is powered by Nike and all the other stuff. There's a lot of things that are kind of brewing. Um, so there's going to be a lot of things coming up in the future that I think are, are really beneficial for the kids. And, you know, and, and one other thing that I don't think is really out there yet, I, I am working with BJ Acres uh, Parenting Center, which is who's our foster agency. And we are going to be doing a fundraiser later this summer. To It's a soccer golf fundraiser to raise money for foster kids, uh, the foster parents for educational reasons, purposes, uh, and to allow kids to have opportunities that they may not get, um, that, that, that 
I don't want to say regular, but that other not yet. So that we are going to do that later this summer as well. The the cool thing is that you you don't just talk the talk, you like walk the walk. Like, look, we're actual foster parents, and now we want to go back and keep supporting mm-hmm. and giving and bringing awareness to uh, you know the opportunities that are maybe missed for a number of those. So I think so cool. And I will in the notes put all of his connections, um, his website. Uh, when he starts sharing the stuff about the the soccer golf outing or whatever, I'll put that out there as well. So if people want to, you know, you want to be a part of it or you know even donate money toward it or whatever, I think it's an awesome idea um, and what have you. I'm gonna wrap this thing up. This is Karen Coach's Corner Chat with BJ. Durrell, and I'm out. Peace. What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at Coaches Let's Chat. Hit that subscribe button, and once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.